Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Well, uh, that song was timely. Um, I just want to read the main chorus again. Um, it says, Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy for all my days. Yes, I will. Um, as a church planner, as sometimes a perfectionist, uh, or at least I try to be, mornings like this can make me really, really on edge, um, feel frustrated. As I said in our call to worship, it is a reminder to me, the Holy Spirit's just kind of like, I'm in control, I got this, you, you've got to give it over to me. Um, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at the District Church. Um, it is always a joy and an honor to open up God's Word, um, and I say that honestly, but sometimes when it's like this, it's like, is it an honor and a joy to open up God's Word? Because I'm thinking about all the things that are going on in, behind the scenes that even like some of you guys may be aware of with the screens, the music, um, and then some internally th- things like that you aren't aware of. And so... It is a joy when I'm able to prep for me, I'll, I'll just be honest, when I'm able to pre- prepare that's not a four hours uh, before I go to bed type of prep, I, it is a joy to, to open up God's Word. All right, that's enough about me. This morning, uh, we are going to continue our psalm series. Um, we are walking through just specific books in the book of Psalm. Um, where we have taken a look at uh, different areas of the psalmist's life, uh, whether it's Psalm 1 and a call to uh, pursue God through the reading of his word, uh, whether it was uh, trusting in a comforter in the shepherd in Psalm 23. Last week we looked at how to hope in God in the midst of mourning and in the midst of trial uh, in Psalm 42 and 43. And then today we are taking a look at Psalm 100, uh, which is really a call to worship, um, which what we wanted to do this morning is we wanted to make this, this space a little bit shorter, not that we are weakening the view of preaching, uh, but we wanted to do what the psalm said, and we wanted to sing and shout a song of praise. Um, and so this is going to be probably the shortest sermon. If you've ever come to the district, you can, you can lift up a shout of praise. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then we're going to get after the Lord in, in worship, in singing. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I think both aspects of a Sunday morning service and a Sunday morning gathering are important. Um, it's one of the reasons why we would tell you uh, not, to, not to be very legalistic on you of coming to Sunday morning, but to show you and for you to see that coming and singing with the congregation uh, is special. It's, it's important. It, you are praising God in the midst of it, but um, you are also singing these internal truths into your mind and into your heart so that when you go out, you can remember what you sang and what you've heard. Um, I've heard it said to me before, uh, congregants or people that come to church don't go out humming a sermon, but they go out humming the song. And so it's something to remember as we are praising God. It's why we have such deep, rich theological songs that we sing, so that when we leave in the moments of dark nights of the soul, as we talked about last week, or in the moments of joy, we can first look to praising the Lord. So this is what we're going to be doing this morning, is 
taking a look at how to make a joyful noise and what this psalmist is teaching us from Psalm 100. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, go there. Uh, I would say the verses will be on the screen, but honestly, I can't promise you anything this morning. <laughs> I, can pro- yeah, I can promise you two things. The Word of God will be preached, and uh, I will promise to help fix our eyes on Christ. Other than that, I can't promise you anything. So Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's go to him in prayer and just ask him to bless this time. Lord, you are, you are good. Even when emotionally, uh, internally, we may not feel like it, the truth is you are good. And your mercy and your love endures forever. For your people, Lord, you give comfort in time of need. Lord, you give them strength and so, Lord, I, I pray this morning, even though it for us may seem like a, a very weird, a very um, broken down morning, maybe even for myself, a morning that um, we would like to start over uh, so that we can try to get certain things right, Lord, uh, so that we can present ourselves better. Uh, really, what it is revealing is that uh, there's, there's control issues there, Lord, and we ask that in this time, uh, in this preaching of your word, uh, Lord, you would, you would break down those barriers, you would break our, our hands off of our idols, and Lord, you would show us truly what lifting a shout of praise looks like to you as we live, not just here on Sunday morning, but Lord, as we go uh, and as we're sent to share the gospel with those around us, who the people you've placed around us, Lord, um, help us to see that this Joyful noise is not just something that we do on Sunday morning, but it is a resounding call of our lives, um, Lord, because of what Christ has done for us. And so I pray uh, in this time you would be glorified in that. We thank you for your great grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you guys aren't already aware of this, uh, every one of us, we are made to worship. And if you've never heard that before, I want you to think about whether it is a sporting event, whether it is a concert we go to, whether it is a TV show or a celebrity, we are drawn to worship. And when we go into one of those events, when we go into a concert, when we, when we are in a movie, what we are doing is we are worshiping. Now, I'm not saying that doing those things are inherently sinful, Um, It is fun to go to a football game even when your team loses. It's still fun to go. It is still great to go to a concert with good friends, good music, and just enjoy that night. Those, Those things aren't inherently sinful until they become the idol in which we place our worship. And so this morning, what I want to take a look at from Psalm 100 is how the psalmist is calling us to place our worship on the Lord. Place our worship on the Lord, and then ultimately, what this produces from us is an emotional response that then leads to a, as I put down here, 
a joyful service. So I want to take a look at how this is broken down for us. Um, and if you ever want to get inside my mind and how I read scripture, I am literally giving you a picture of what I do on a, uh, like a devotional. I will take a couple of verses and break them down. It's, I'm very type A, so that's how it works for me. So verses one and two tell us to do something, right? It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. So this is Hebrew poetry, and if we know anything about Hebrew poetry, the second line informs us of the first. So the second line is supposed to inform us on how to live, and you see this repetition in verses one and two being informed by three, and then verse four being informed by verse five. And so what we see here first in all of these verses is a call to worship. The psalmist starts off, make a joyful noise to the earth. Or, I'm sorry, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. This is a posture of heart in praising God in all that we do. And it stems from knowing who God is. You see, verses 3 and 5 inform us on how we should worship and why we should worship. He says, know the Lord, he is God. And in a, in a in a world right now where knowing and truth is very, use the phrase, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, the psalmist is saying, know the Lord, for he is God. It is not a, no, that's your truth, that you think God is, is, is your truth. He is saying, no, know the Lord, he is God. And really, if you were to look at the breakdown of this Hebrew, Hebrew verse or Hebrew phrase, verses 1 and 2 can really end with, come into his presence with singing, because I know the Lord, he is God. So I can make a joyful noise to the Lord. Creation can make a joyful noise to the Lord, because I know he is God. For he made me, and we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture and what we see even in verse 3 is an assurance and a confidence that we can have in our praise. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. That should bring us assurance. That should bring us confidence that the God of this universe, the God who created all things, the God who created me and you, as believers in Christ, we are his and there is nothing that we can do, and there is nothing in this world, as Paul tells us in Romans 8, that can ever separate us from that truth. In a world where people can betray you, where institutions even like the church can hurt you to where you feel like you have been broken off from them, God will never do that. God will never let you go. He will never let you down. And we can have assurance and we can have this confidence that when we sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord, we are singing in this truth that this is a God who has saved me, despite me, and sometimes in spite of me, I am his and he is mine. And so we can make a joyful noise to the Lord because we know that he is God. We know that we are his and we know that if he has called us, he will never let us go. And then it tells us to enter 
his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, to give thanks to him. So again, this is the call to worship. And it's again repeated in the same manner, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. One one phrase or or way that we can read this passage is this. Verse 5 is actually... His mercy endures forever, and His truth lasts from generation to generation. So again, this foundational piece of why we praise is because one, His mercy endures forever, and His truth, the truth that we find in God's Word, the truth about who God is and how He's revealed Himself to us in Christ endures forever. I'm amazed at the books that we can read even from first and century, first and second century. That is, to me, that's great. I, I'm, I'm a history buff. I, I love reading things like that. But the thing about God's word is that it endures even longer than that. It, it will endure even longer than that. It has been around since the beginning before creation was even formed. John 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so this is a truth that endures from generation to generation. It is something that, again, we can go back to as an assurance. It is something we even taught about in Psalm 1. If you guys remember, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who what? Meditates on the law of the Lord, and on that law he delights. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. This is the blessed man who digs his roots into the truth of God's word and meditates and delights in it. So here is our foundations. If we, if we were to think about a house, right? If we were to think about something being built, we need to, we need to have a foundation. And so our foundation of why we can sing a joyful noise to the Lord, why our lives and, and how we live can be with gladness and thanksgiving is because of the knowledge of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. And so from that, from that knowledge, we should have an emotional response. I think sometimes we we look at scripture, or maybe we can look at um, old dead guys' writings and think they don't want us to have any type of emotional response, but that's not what the scripture shows us. Go back to verses one through five. We'll start off and look at all these emotional responses that the psalmist calls us to. He says, have, make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Bless his name. These joyful emotional responses should come from the knowledge of who God is and what he has done for us. These joyful responses should be the life that we live in how we come and how we praise, what our thoughts are are set upon, as Philippians would tell us, our lives should be marked by joyful living. And I don't mean happy, right? I I know this is a joyful psalm, but I want to recognize that life isn't always easy. I mean, you saw it this morning. (laughs) This is, this is a church service, right? If anything, this should, be, this should go perfectly. 
But life isn't always easy. Life doesn't always go how we planned it. Sometimes life goes completely opposite of how we planned it. Right? Kids walk away from the faith. Abuse is in the family. There are, there are countless of examples that I can give this morning that show that life is not perfect. So when I talk about having a joyful way of living, I'm not talking about being happy. But I'm talking about having a rooted response in the Lord that as the psalmist will say later on, you can look at the dangers in life, you can look at the things that are going on and you can laugh because you know that God is ultimately in control. That you know the promise and assurance that you have in who God is gives you a joyful response and that you know that this life is a momentary affliction until you get to glory. That's why we can have a joyful response in the midst of trials, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of good seasons. We can be joyful and people around us can see that our lives are not built on things here in this earth, but our life is built on something eternal, something that will never fade. And so this call to worship, this knowledge of who God is should lead us to an emotional response. Because that's how God has made us. We should have emotional responses. Man, if, if you were back here, maybe not this morning, but if you have been in the back ever with me and, and worshiping, you'll know that a lot of times I'm just in, in tears. I, I'm in tears because it, it is awesome to be able to worship with you all. It is awesome to be able to worship God in, in truth and in, in love and in spirit, as John 4 shows us. So I, I, I get emotional. I get emotional thinking about my family. They, they live in North Carolina. I saw like some of my nieces dress up for Halloween. I'm like, man, I, I want to be there. I, I miss that. There, there are emotions that run through me. If you're on the golf course with me, you see a lot of the negative emotions. But the Bible doesn't shy away from us being emotional people because that is how God has created us. And the knowledge, that the, the, the better knowledge that we have of him leads us into a right emotional response to who he is. Right? Let's, most of you guys are married. Some are engaged. Congratulations. But think about this for a moment, right? In a relationship with your spouse, your loved one, the more you know them. Correct knowledge of them. Not just like ethereal knowledge. Correct knowledge of them leads you to have an emotional response to them. Am I right? Am I? No? All the husbands in here and the boyfriends should say, yeah, yes and amen. All right? Correct knowledge should lead to a correct emotional response to how we love and how we feel, and the affections that we have for our spouses, for our loved ones. It's the same with God. I would even say even greater with God. The correct knowledge that we have of him should lead us to an emotional response, a joyful re- emotional response. And guys, I, and I'm going to keep harping on this, the only way to have correct knowledge of who God is is this word right here. It's God's word. It's not a theology book. It's not a cultural podcast. 
It's not uh, Discovery Channel. All, all those things are good. All those things are common graces that God gives us, but the source of life is found in this and this alone. And that is how you're going to find true knowledge of who God is and how he has revealed himself to us. So finally, this emotional response should lead to joyful service. Verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. These are, these are things that our emotions should lead us to do. To serve the Lord with gladness. To, to come into his presence. Come into a place like this and sing joyfully. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. His courts with praise. Give thanks to him, blessing his name. So knowledge should lead to an emotional response which should lead to joyful service. And when I say service, I don't, I'm gonna say two things about service. Service is one thing about how we serve those around us, whether they're believers or non-believers alike. That is a reflection of who we should be, or it's a reflection of God and who we should be as believers understanding that God has placed us where we are for a purpose of bringing glory to his name, as Acts 17 would show us. But service is also pursuing holiness. Service is also pursuing the commands that God gives in his word. And if we are acknowledging that he created us, and that he loves us enough to call us to himself, there's also a way in which we are to be living that is one, bringing glory to his name, and two, bringing joy to our lives. So serving the Lord with gladness is not just serving one another, but it is pursuing right holiness and saying, no, not my will, but your will be done in my life so that you can have glory. So we serve the Lord with gladness. We come into his presence with singing. We come into, uh, we talked about this already this morning, we come into a place like the Sunday morning gathering, understanding that this is a unique time that is meant to build us up so that we can then go out and remember and share the gospel to those around us. I, I want to give it like this. We are, we come in here to gather we come in here to gather knowledge. We come in here to gather information of the gospel to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, and then we are sent. Gather and sent. So we gather on Sunday morning, and we go Monday through Saturday. We go to the world, and we share the gospel that we receive here. And we don't just share the gospel with those around us, as we learned last week, in Psalm 42 and 43, we share the gospel with ourselves as well. We preach to ourselves, hope in God, because we need it. We're never going to get past that need, and the world needs it as well. And this is how we serve the Lord joyfully. We serve others, whether they are believers or non-believers alike. We are sharing the gospel with those around us, and we serve the Lord by pursuing holiness, true, right obedience to God's commands and who he's called us to be. So these are the three things I wanted to point out this morning. 
And I wanted to ask this question. What is the point of this passage? The point of this passage is that the Lord is worthy to be praised and worshipped. Going back to that statement that we are all made to worship, the Lord is the one who is worthy of that worship. The Lord is the one that we should be running after, fixing our eyes on in service, in singing, in corporate gatherings, in individual Bible studies, in in the circles and spheres of influence that God has placed us in with correct knowledge of who he is from his word, we are to worship him. And this is how we can do that. So my final thing here this morning, I told you it was going to be short. (laughs) How does this point to Jesus? In every passage, we want to ask that question, how does this point to Jesus? There is no Christ in this Psalm 100, but there is, because the psalmist looked forward to the cross. The psalmist looked forward to the day when we will, for eternity, make a joyful noise to the Lord, and we will serve the Lord in gladness. If you guys aren't aware, when we get to the new heavens and new earth, we are going to be called to serve just with perfect bodies and without toil and strife. So it will be a good time of serving and praising the Lord. We will come into his presence. We will sing. We will feast at the wedding table of the Lamb. And we will know as we are fully known. So guys, as we look towards the cross, it gives us a hope that in a psalm like this, when it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, we will one day be there. And we long for that. We, we say, as John says, Maranatha, Lord, come quick, because we know what eternity will bring us. We know that it is only through Christ that we will be able to enter those celestial gates. And so this psalm points us to the cross. The psalm points us to what Christ has done And as Luther says, this psalm is a prophecy concerning him. It calls upon all to rejoice and to triumph and to give thanks, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts and sanctuary with praise, because by the gospel and the preaching of the remission of sins, the kingdom of Christ is established and strengthened, which will will remain and stand forever. This psalm points to that gospel that has come for us. Maybe when the psalm was written, he was looking towards the cross, but now as believers, we look back to the cross and what Christ has done on it. That he lived the perfect life that we could never live. He died a death we so rightly deserved, and then he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death on our behalf. Those who have been called and justified by Christ's work on the cross will eventually be glorified when eternity comes. And so this is the hope that we have. This is why we sing and rejoice. This is why we can join in with this psalm and make a joyful noise because what has been needed has been done in Christ. And we have hope in that. We have hope that in this world, whether we are walking through cancer, whether we are walking through pain or suffering, whatever it might be, that it is a momentary affliction because of what Christ has done on the cross and the promise we have in him. And so this is my prayer this morning is that we would take this passage 
and it would be one that stirs our affections for the Lord to keep our eyes fixed on him. That we would want to know more about who God is. And in that wanting and desiring to know who he is, our emotions would be stirred and our affections would be stirred towards the good things of who he is. And in those responses, we would have joyful service for one another and those around us and even ourselves. So this is my prayer this morning as we walk through this psalm. And how we're going to close this morning and I, I don't know if we plan this, so we're just going to go with it, um, is how we close every week in communion. Um, we do it a little bit different, and for those of you guys who've been around, you've, you've noticed this now. What we're going to do is we're going to go to the table. We're going to grab the bread. We're going to grab the juice. If, if you are not saved here this morning, I, I would ask that you just refrain, that you sit back and you think about what is happening in this moment. And then if there is a stirring or a longing within you to, to take part in that, come, look, come talk to me. We'll go further in why you have that desire and longing. Because it may be that Christ is calling you to himself, and we want that this morning. But if, if you are a believer in Christ, if you have trusted in the hope of salvation, take the bread, take the juice, bring it back to your seat, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in communion. And the reason that we do this is because we want to first look back to what Christ has done for us on the cross, as well as the sins that we may have committed this morning, yesterday, uh, this week, whatever, in a time of reflection, we want to sit back and, and repent of those or call to ourselves the, the holiness in which God leads us into. And then once that is done, we are, we're going to take the communion together. And this is a reflection of being able to look around and, and see that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a reminder, again, that this gospel is not an individual one, but a corporate one, a, a eternal past one, an eternal future one. You are not doing this on your own. And then, after we take the communion, we are going to sing, and we are going to praise. And this is a reminder for us to look forward to know that in eternity, this is what we'll be doing together. We will be celebrating the Feast of the Lamb. We will be singing and praising, making a joyful noise to who God is and what he has done for us, and knowing that sin and shame and tears, all of them will be gone because death will be no more. And so in this moment, let us take some time. Let us look back, as I said, and then you guys can get, get up and grab the cup and um, the bread and then I will lead us in communion. So let me pray, and then we can do that and have some, have some time there. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that, uh, Lord, you have made a way. Lord, that we can make a joyful noise now because we know what's to come in eternity. We know that one day all of our sin, all of our shame, all the trials, the pain, the suffering, it will be gone because we will be with Christ and he has defeated sin and death on our behalf. And so Lord, we come to the table as a reminder of what you have done for us in Christ, how you have washed away our sin, how you have made a way for us to be with you in eternity. And so, Lord, as we come to the table, if there is 
times where we need to repent, if there are relationships that need to be reconciled, Lord, if, if there is a moment where we just need to sit back and reflect on what is happening with the table, Lord, let us take that time. But in that, remind us of who we are in Christ. Remind us that our sins have been placed on the cross with him, and it is no longer we that live, but him that lives in us. We thank you for this great grace. Lord, we thank you for the common grace that even in the midst of technical difficulties, even in the midst of sickness, even in the midst of all that could have and did go wrong this morning, that you are still on your throne. That you are still a God who is not shocked by anything that happens here, but Lord, you had a word for your people that needed to come this way. Lord, we don't know why. We may never know why you needed to do it like this. But Lord, we thank you that you did. We thank you that you made your glory and grace known here this morning through our unconventional ways. May you be glorified in that. When we think back to a day like this, may you be glorified in us remembering how good you are. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at